Good morning. How is everybody? Did you gobble till you wobbled? I did. As you can tell. I'd like to welcome you all out this morning. My name's Mike, if you don't know me. I am not a normal person up here. Um, I'm getting there, but I'm not. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving and a great long weekend. A safe Black Friday. Um, today, we're wrapping up a sermon series called Red Sea Rules. Now, uh, there's a book. I highly suggest reading it. I picked it up. I read through it. It's, it's amazing. And Tim has done a really good job of preaching through this book. You can pick it up in the bookstore. I believe there's still some copies in there. But it's all about learning from the Israelite nation as they were leaving Egypt. Now, when I first heard this sermon idea, I thought we were going to be going over the Ten Commandments. Did anybody else think we're going to be going over the Ten Commandments in this sermon series? Just me. Okay. Um, I was wrong. It, it's not the Ten Commandments. It's looking at what we can learn while they're walking with God. Because they were walking with God. Last week, Tim talked about praying in a crisis. Like, what to do when you're in crisis. And it was a really good sermon. I was frantically taking notes. Um, today, we're going to talk about the fifth rule that we can learn. And it's don't forget to praise Him. So, some of you just checked out because I said the P word. Praise. You're like, Mike, I don't sing. One, the Bible says make a joyful noise. I have seen goats get excited over food and the noise they make, I would not consider singing, but it was joyful. So, that's one thing right there. If you can just make a joyful noise, God gets it. Okay? But praising's not just singing. Praising is, okay, so the actual definition of praising is saying something good about someone else or something else, right? That's like my definition of it. That if you get to Webster's, they have like fancier words. I'm not fancier words kind of guy, but it's saying something good about somebody else. Okay, so today at 3.25 p.m. this afternoon, I will be sitting on a couch at my brother-in-law's house with ribs that I smoked yesterday, by the way, and he's smoking wings, and we're going to sit there, and I'm going to sing the praises of my football team to him because the Steelers are playing the Broncos. Steelers fan, Broncos fan, he's going to cry today, and I have a terrible towel to give it to him, right? <laughs> I'm going to sing the praises of my team. I'm going to tell him how good Ben Roethlisberger is and how good Connors is and how I don't care that Le'Veon Bell didn't even show up this year and how AB can go off. And Okay, so some of you are checking out because I'm talking about football, right? Uh, I, I got in trouble with my wife this weekend. Not necessarily trouble, but I got that look that you need to shut up. You, you know the look? You know the look? Because I told her I was going to work this into the sermon and she didn't know how I was going to. Because whoever redid our house put an aerial antenna in our attic and I found it one day when I was looking for a mouse and they ran the wires through the... Yeah, that happened. They ran the wires through the walls of our house into plugs. So I have like hard lines into our walls, right? And I'm like, yeah, but it didn't work. I'm like, oh... But I found where the junction box is, and I rewired it, and I got all of our TVs in our house hooked up to one antenna, and I'm like, yeah, I'm singing the praises of something I did, not someone else. But she's like, 
will you just shut up and t- stop telling everybody? Because I was telling everybody who was even remotely tech savvy about how cool this was. And the reception was really good. Some of you guys are watching football downstairs in my house and legit. Okay, I wasn't literally singing about an antenna, but I was speaking, hey, this is awesome. We do this all the time. We talk about our cars or our families or insert your favorite shiny object. You praise things, right? So don't check out right now when I say praise because you don't want to sing. Okay, we are going to talk about singing today because singing is part of praising God. But every time I talk about praising God, I'm not just saying singing. We got that down? We good? Not just singing. All right. So I want to, I want to read some scripture this morning. I know, right? Church, Mike, why are we reading scripture? But go with me on this. Um, I know for me, coming off of Tim's lesson last week, for me, I, praise God, and I'm about to use a big word, I praise God more fervently with, with more heart when I'm in or coming out of a crisis. Can you, do you guys get that too? Like something is going on in your life and I move closer to God. My praise is more loud. Some of you, especially when I sit in the back, some of you will turn around when I'm singing because I'm not quiet. And sometimes I still go through puberty and my voice cracks. Or I'll have my eyes closed and I sing the wrong verse. And I'm louder than most everybody around me. And it's obvious, but I'm just making a joyful noise to my Lord. Okay? Because God has done stuff in my life. He's brought me through crisis. Let's look in Exodus chapter 15. Last week, Tim asked us all to read this a lot. And we should. This is Exodus chapter 15. What has happened is the nation of Israel has just watched the Red Sea collapse in on the Egyptian army and decimate them. And this, and I didn't realize this before I was preparing for this lesson a few weeks ago, this is the first recorded song in Scripture. Okay, so that's what's happening right now. It says, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for He is highly exalted. Both horse and driver He has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him. My Father's God, and I will exalt Him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is His name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, has majestic power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? 
Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall on them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as stone until your people pass by, Lord. Until the people you bought pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. It goes on in Exodus chapter 15. Miriam and, and some women pick up tambourines and they, they repeat what's happened. And a party breaks out because God has just saved them. And all they can do is worship Him and praise His holy name because of what He has done. Because of what they have just seen. I mean, think about this. The sea splitting and waters piling up on either side. And they're walking across on dry land and God has just saved them from the mightiest army the earth knows at the time. All that they can do is praise their Lord. I want to read you something else. It's in Psalms 18, verses 3 through 19. It says, and this is David speaking. He says, I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him. Into his ears, the earth trembled and quaked, and the foundations of the mountains shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils. Consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy with great bolts of lightning. He routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, Lord. At the blast of your breath from your nostrils, he reached down from high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. You guys see similarities between these two passages? God has saved David. There's many times in his life God has saved David. There's Goliath. There's the bear, the lion. There's King Saul. There's his son. There's his stupid decisions. God rescued David from his stupid decisions, right? Right? I mean, there's tons of times where David has been rescued. And if you read the book of Psalms, you can look where David's being an idiot. He's right, right here. He's being an idiot and he's been chastised. He's been admonished. He's changing. And then he goes in and he says, oh, God's awesome. And I want to let y'all know, 
I'm going to write a book of worship songs because God's awesome. And this is what I want sang in the temple. Here, here, high priest, here's some songs. We can worship God with it, right? Notice I'm saying worship and not praise because we have these services called praise and worship services. So singing, worship, praise. Oh, God's awesome. They're both, right? So David isn't just singing, he's praising God. He's telling of his awesome, awesomeness. God is awesome. And you know, there's a lot of times in our lives we can sit here. I'm, I'm included in this. I can sit in, the, in those seats like a bump on the log and not want to do anything. Just sit. There's times where I forget how awesome God is. I should never forget how awesome God is. One, He made everything. That, that in itself is awesome. Two, He knows me. Out of everything He did, He knows me. Me. There's no reason He needs to know me. He does. God's awesome. God has done so much for me. God is awesome. But like I said, I praise God more fervently, with more heart, when I'm in or coming out of a crisis. Maybe we need a crisis. I can think of times in my life where I have seen people band together. And it usually is because of a crisis. Maybe there's been a loss and people are banding together. I can, okay, so I think of 9-11, right? That's the closest thing to me. 9-11 was horrible. 9-12 was awesome. 9-12, there was a flag on every house, on every street. There was American flags everywhere. And there was no talk of Republican versus Democrat or Democrat versus Republican. There was no talk of white and black. There was no talk of any division. Congress stood on the steps of Congress and and sang. Not well, but they sang. Right? Those of you who are of a certain age, do you remember watching that, whatever day that was afterwards? I mean, everybody came together. I can think of, uh, of times when I was in the campus ministry and we fasted about something. And we were worried about something, but we prayed and we fasted about something. And then we came together and we worshiped God. And it was powerful. Crisis pulls us closer to each other and closer to God. Why is Sunday morning worship something to be avoided? Why is praising God something to be avoided? I would argue, and I would be able to argue well, that what happened before I got up here is more important than what I'm doing right now. Because, let's be honest, you don't need somebody standing up here telling you what you're not doing. You already know what you're not doing. You don't need somebody standing up here telling you what you are doing good because you already know what you're doing good. What we need is to come together as a big family and worship our Father and praise our Father. And that's what we're doing, right? I mean, we we come here on Sunday mornings to give God glory. We don't come here on Sunday mornings so that we can feel good. We don't come here on Sunday mornings so that uh, we can check a box. We don't, well, I hope we don't. We don't come here on Sunday mornings just to get something. 
We come here on Sunday mornings to give. Okay, so I'm telling you to praise God, but why? You're, you're looking at me like, Mike, why should I praise God? Two reasons. Number one, why should I praise God? Because of who He is. Psalms 145, verse 3. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. I can praise God because of who He is. Like I just said, He created everything. He knows me. He knows you. He knows me and loves me. He knows you and loves you. It's one thing to know somebody. It's another to love them. And He loves every single one of you in this building. He loves every single one of us on this planet. Even that person that did something to you. God is worthy of being praised because I cannot fathom Him. I can't understand it. I don't think I ever will. Even in heaven, I'm not going to understand it. I don't think. I'm looking forward to heaven because I'm still going to get to learn. I believe that because God said it's going to be a redeemed earth. And one of the things I love about this is that I'm learning. And I'm never going to understand God, but I'm always going to keep trying. He is great and He is worthy and He deserves our praise. I praise God because of who He is. The second thing, the second thing I can do, I praise God because of what He has done. Has He done anything in your life worthy of praise? If you have to think, you need to re-examine your life. Because the answer is yes. Even if you don't realize it, the answer is yes. Because over 2,000 years ago, a man died on a cross for you. Even though you didn't want him to or you didn't think he should, he did it. Because like I just said, he loves you. First Chronicles 16, 8-14 says, Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell of all His wonderful acts. Glory His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Remember the wonders He has done. His miracles and the judgments He pronounced. You, His servants, the descendant of Israel, His chosen ones, the children of Jacob. He is the Lord, our God. His judgments are in all the earth. I don't know about you guys. But songs really speak to me in moments of crisis. And they don't have to be Christian ones. God speaks through me through a lot of things. He speaks through me through nature and through songs and my children and my friends and my family and His Word. There's a lot of ways He speaks to me. But in crisis, there's just something about songs that cut right through all of the veils that cover my eyes and get right to my ears. I want to share some quotes out of songs with you. The first one's from a song called Heaven by the band Live. Now, they're not a Christian band, but there's a lot of Christian themes in this. It says, I don't need no one to tell me about heaven. I look at my daughter and I believe. I don't need no proof. When it comes to God and truth, I can see the sunset and I perceive. 
darling, I believe sometimes it's hard to breathe at the bottom of the sea. I'll believe it when I see for myself. This song, there's been times in my life that were really dark, and, and this song spoke to me. It still is. You see, give me a minute. Rhode Island is neither a road nor an island. Discuss. Uh, you see, ten years ago and one day, a little person came into my life. Um, she's amazing. She's grounded because I told her she couldn't grow. She couldn't grow past the age of nine. Uh, so she got grounded yesterday. Um, but you see, she's a miracle. She's a miracle. Um, I went over this in my head a lot. I didn't do this. Um, <laughs> you see, she's a twin. <laughs> Blight is a twin. And one day I'm going to get to meet her sibling. And a few years later, after another complicated pregnancy and a complicated delivery, I got my second miracle. And we got it. They got said, we're done with having kids because uh, my heart couldn't take it anymore. And um, I was bitter. I was bitter at God. Because it was hard. It was hard on me. It was hard on Cassie. And this is something that broke through to me. That God was taking care of my kids. This next song, it's called Shoulders, and it's by my, right now, my favorite band, and that's weird, because I'm not a big fan of Christian music. I think it's like the short bus of the music industry. Um, uh, but For King and Country really speaks to me. They're awesome. And it's called Shoulders. And it says, I look up to the mountains. Does my strength come from the mountains? No, my strength comes from God who made heaven and earth and the mountains. When I'm caught deep in the valley with chaos for my company, I will find comfort here because I know that you are near. My help comes from you. You're right here pulling me through. You carry my weakness, my sickness, my brokenness all on your shoulders. Your shoulders. My help comes from you. You are my rest, my rescue. I don't have to see to believe that you're lifting me up on your shoulders. Your shoulders. You mend what once was shattered and you turn my tears to laughter. You forgive my, your forgiveness is my fortress. Your mercy is relentless. This song, like, it's playing in my head right now. It's awesome. God speaks to me through song, especially in my crisis, right? You guys get that? It's so easy to look at our problems and it's so easy to blame God for our struggles and our hurts and all the bad in our lives. It's so easy to do that. It's so easy to forget John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus has come for us to have life and so often we forget that there's a thief 
coming to steal and kill and destroy. And when we see something stolen, killed, or destroyed, we blame God. God is worthy of our praise. He has done so much, and there's so much we don't realize that He's doing. And God has had to break me to show me that He's taking care of me and my children. You see, we need to check our perspective of praise. You know, another word for perspective is paradigm. That was kind of like a catchword around here around the summer. And if any of you don't know what I'm talking about, we did a whole sermon series called Paradigm Shift. And it was changing the way we look at something. If you're praying about your problems, it's okay to pray about your problems. Don't hear that I'm saying don't pray about your problems. Got it? Pray about your problems. But if all you're doing is praying about your problems, all you're going to think about is your problems. But if I start off by worshiping God and praising God in my prayer, I'm not going to only think about my problems. I'm going to look at God, the creator of the universe, and I'm going to worship Him because He's awesome and He is bigger than my problems. Years ago, I was watching a friend's kid in the church and they loved VeggieTales and I'd never seen VeggieTales. And the first VeggieTales movie I saw was the Halloween one where God is bigger than the boogeyman. And I was like, oh, that's really deep for a three-year-old's cartoon. But God is bigger than our problems, right? I, I talked to the youth group about this a couple weeks ago. Cassie and I could be upset with God right now. Because at the beginning of this year, we were praying. We felt God's telling us, you need to sell your house and move to a bigger one. Because you're having like 20 kids show up at your house every week and you have an 800 square foot house. Um, they're pretty much, they, they sat on each other's laps during small group. It, it's what happened. And we felt, okay, we went looking at houses. We found this house. Both of us, when we got home then, I go, we need to put a bid on that house. God's telling us to buy this house. We bought the house, right? We bought the house. Our other house was on the market. Our other house is still on the market. We could be looking at that saying, God told us to sell our house and He was going to take care of that one. And it's not sold. And I could be bitter about that, right? I could. But my perspective is, God told us to buy a house. And God has provided the money to pay for two houses. So, my perspective needed to be aligned with God's. You need to check your perspective of praise. In Scripture, this is evident. There's two passages in Revelation I want to look at real quick. The first one's in Revelation 18. And what it is, is it's the destruction of Babylon. And at the destruction of Babylon, there is a bunch of people who are going, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it says, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. And there's just people that are lamenting the fact that Babylon has fallen. It's, it's in Revelation 18 and it's verses 2 through 9. And it's, it's people lamenting that Babylon has fallen. These people are looking at this great city and it's burning and they're like, this is so sad. But then in Revelation 19, Verses one through two, and that little that little thing above the passage says, "Hallelujah!" It says, "Hallelujah! Salvation and glory belong to our God, for true are His judgments." These people are looking at the same event. They're looking at the same event. 
Oh, whoa, whoa, Babylon has fallen. Or, hallelujah, Babylon has fallen. There's two perspectives looking at the same event. You need to check your perspective of praise. We need to check our perspective of praise. There should be many reasons for you to praise God. I'm sure that He has blessed you and rescued you in many ways. You probably don't even realize all He has done for you. We need to make sure we have grateful hearts. Okay, so that's why you should praise God. But what happens when you praise God? What happens? Well, there's so many things that happen when you praise God. And we could spend all day talking about it. I just want to share five of them with you real quick. When I praise God, I obey God. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. When I praise God, I'm obeying Him. In Colossians 3, verse 16, it says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs, from, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. In Ephesians 5, 18-19, it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. God's people are more than just invited to sing. God's people are more than just invited to praise Him. We are commanded to. Some of you guys sitting here are like, well, doesn't that God make a little, doesn't that make God a little bit egotistical? That He requires us to praise Him? And the simple answer is no. God is God without us praising Him. Um, we need to praise Him. And that's a whole nother sermon, a whole nother lesson. I will give you, um, some homework. Uh, get on the interwebs. Type in John Piper, God is an egomaniac. Okay? Now, John Piper is um, a preacher who has long drawl and monotonous, but he's brilliant. Listen to it. He talks about how God is not an egomaniac. How Him requiring us to praise Him is not for His sake. It's for ours. It's a really great sermon. Look it up. It's probably on YouTube. I highly suggest listening to it. Um, God doesn't need us to praise Him. We need to. It's for our benefit. It reminds us of who He is and what He has done. So the first thing we do is, our first thing that happens when we praise God is we are obeying God's command. Second thing, when I praise God, I remember God's Word. Some of you are like, um, what? I remember God's Word? Let's look back at Colossians 3.16. And I'm going to read it all again because it's really good. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Teach and admonish one another 
through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. We teach each other. We learn. We remember, we remember God's Word. Um, there's a preacher called C.J. Mahaney. He's, he's in Louisville. He calls church, uh, the worship of church, take-home theology. Because the best songs we sing together serve as a three-minute, easily memorizable, deeply biblical summary of important truths from Scripture. Just look at the songs we sang this morning. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord will be my strength. That's a psalm, by the way. Um, uh, Let God arise. I love that song. Hear the holy roar of God resound. Nobody talks like that. But it's awesome. I mean, that I'm sitting in the back reading and I'm, yeah, it, but I remember it. Uh, the, the song of the redeemed rises through the clouds. There's freedom in the blood of Jesus. There's victory. I don't, I have a hard time just remembering stuff if I'm just reading it, but if I sing it, it's, it's there. It's take-home theology. Uh, at night, my daughters have a hard time sleeping if we don't sing to them. You know what we sing? In the calm of Your presence, I am listening, Lord. I am still. I am quiet. I am Yours. Or, break my heart. Dear Lord, tear the barriers down. Show me in convicting tears the glories of Your crown. It's take-home theology. My daughters know more Scripture than I ever did at their age because we sing it to them. When I, when I praise God, when I sing... I'm remembering God's Word. I'm remembering what He's done for me. There's a lot more songs. There's a lot more songs that speak to me, but I can't sit here and sing to you guys all day. Um, <laughs> uh, Ephesians, or I'm getting ahead of myself. Something else that happens when I praise God. When I praise God, I strengthen God's family. There have been times in my life, and I can remember before this dome was here, we're in the old building, we're sitting in the grocery store, um, it's late in the afternoon on a Sunday, we've just fasted for the weekend, and uh, we have um, salmon lilies, lo mein, big bowls of it, and everybody's like, licking their lips, getting ready to eat, and, and, and the food's getting cold, but we can't stop singing. We're in a big family just mound of people it wasn't even a circle we're just mounded up and i will rise up rise up and bow down and lay my crown at his wounded feet there's a stirring deep within me. You awake? 
We couldn't stop singing. We were so hungry, but we could not stop worshiping our Lord. And our family was being strengthened. It was awesome. Have you ever been in a group of people who were all sold out worshiping God? All of them. Not just some of them. Not just the front row, but everybody. Can I tell you how energetic, how energizing, how powerful that is? Think about Sunday mornings. How awesome this could be if we were all in love, sold out for Christ. How awesome would that be? And it's not just His family that gets strengthened. Can I let you know, there are people who are here who aren't a part of God's family. They're getting something from the worship. They hear God's people singing His glory, and they're like, what is that? What is that? I want that. Ephesians 5.19 Encourage each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord. It's so powerful. And I forgot my cell phone. It's right over there. i got to read you a Scripture from a different translation than I have. Give me a second. It's right here. I promise. I even have it pulled up already. It's, a, it's Psalms 111, verse 1 in the English Standard Version. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. It's something powerful to sing with your brothers and sisters. It's something powerful to worship your Lord and Maker. It strengthens everyone around you. On page 41 in this book, Letters to the Church, I highly recommend picking this up. Um, I just started reading it. We were supposed to read it for like the past month in our small group. Uh, I just started. But on page 41, and by the way, babe, Lucy pulled your bookmark out. I don't know where it went. Listen to this. Joy comes as we stand among those Jesus has redeemed and get lost in a sea of worship, becoming fully a part of something sacred. Gathering with the church should lead us to holy ground. You get to come and worship someone else with someone else. You get to pour out love to Him by serving those around you and considering them more important than yourself. It's not about you. And you are glad it's not about you. Because this is something far greater than you. It is sacred. We strengthen each other. There are people hurting in this room right now that the worship has strengthened them. It's helping them. Number four, and and we're getting close, I promise. (laughs) Number four, when I praise God, I declare war on God's enemies. What? (laughs) What? Declare war. Mike, we're standing here singing a song. We're standing here talking about the greatness of God. How is that declaring war? (sighs) You sweet summer child. (laughs) In those passages we were reading, it's talking about teaching and admonishing. It's talking about killing sin. It's talking about pointing sin out in your life. Go back. Read Ephesians 5.19. Psalms 105.1-2. It's telling you guys, This will point sin out and this will kill sin. This will help kill sin. 
Just singing? Yes! If you think about it, look at Jericho. What was the battle plan of Jericho? Well, let's put the band out front and march around the city. Genius! <laughs> let's do it. Or, or, when we're going into the promised land, did we put the warriors out front? Nope. We put the priests. What? We're gonna, we're worshiping God. We're praising God. We're saying He's number one. It's fantastic. The walls of Jericho fell and the waters of the Jordan heaped up like the Red Sea. We're declaring war. Uh, I found a tweet. Now, forgive me. I could not find the original tweeter. I could not find the original person who tweeted this. I found a bunch of spam bots that retweeted this, which is weird. But a singing heart is a heart at war with the work of the evil one and the power of sin. Colossians 3, 5-9 Don't be controlled by your body. Kill every desire for the wrong kind of sex. Don't be immoral or indecent or have evil thoughts. Don't be greedy, which is the same thing as worshiping idols. God is angry with people who disobey Him by doing these things. And that is exactly what you did when you lived among people who behaved in this way. But now you must stop doing such things. You must quit being angry, hateful, and evil. You must no longer say insulting or cruel things about others and stop lying to each other. You have given up your old way of life with its habits. We're told to kill our sin. We're told to just stop. <laughs> just stop. Kill it. For me, easiest way to do that is every time something pops into my head that shouldn't be there, I sing. I sing. Uh, at work, when I'm getting angry, uh, there's a guy at work. He makes fun of me because I walk around and it looks like I'm talking to myself. I'm sitting there, my mouth is moving, nothing's coming out. It's because I'm singing. Uh, um, struggle looking at naked people on the internet? Try doing that while you're worshiping God. Malicious thoughts towards somebody else? Try doing that while you're worshiping God. Struggle with insert sin here? Try doing that while you're worshiping God. Sing. It works. I promise. Well, it worked for me. Every time I'm struggling with a thought in my head, song starts playing in my head. What posture must be more hated by the evil one than the posture of a believer who is singing? A singing heart is a heart at war with the work of the evil one and the power of sin. If you're struggling with something right now, you need to change your perspective of praise. Probably not praising God at all in that area. God wants to help you overcome it. God wants to work with you and in you and through you. Last thing. Last thing that happens. It's the most important thing. The most important thing that happens when I praise God. And in fact, it's connected to all the other ones we've talked about this morning. When I praise God, I glorify God. God is glorified. Ultimately, this is what occurs in, in anything we do. Colossians 3 and Ephesians 5 bring this out simply but powerfully, telling us to sing to God and to the Lord. Singing has a unique way of bringing your heart, soul, mind, and strength together to focus entirely and completely on God. 
And today, with all the distractions we have, all the electronics that a lot of you are holding right now, which I don't have a problem with that because most of them have Bibles on them, it's so easy to be distracted. So easy to be distracted. I'm, I have ADHLAS. Attention deaf, hey, look, a squirrel. And it's really hard to stay focused on one thing. But if I sing in my head, I'm focused on God 100%, no matter what I'm doing. And I'm praising Him. He's being glorified. If we look back at Revelation 7, 9 through 10, it says, After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the lamb, of the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. A group of people that could not be counted are glorifying God. That's awesome. God deserves to be glorified. God deserves my praise and my worship. He is worthy of it. If you're here today and you have no idea what I'm talking about, and you have no idea what it means to be a member of God's family, I want you to be a part of that, that, that crowd that cannot be counted. Standing at judgment day, confident in your hope, confident of where you were going to be spending eternity. If you're somebody here, you don't know what it means to glorify God. You don't know who God is. There are people out here who would love to share with you what that is. You see, Cassie and I were talking, and one of the ways that we love to praise God is to tell what God has done for us. Sit down and open the Bible and share God's Word along with our life with somebody and say, hey, this is what God has done for me. And this is what God wants to do for you. This is what God wants to give you because He is awesome and He loves you. When's the last time you opened the Bible with somebody? It's been a month for me, other than my children. I love sharing God's Word with people. I love talking about how awesome God is. I love telling the glory of God. We're getting ready to celebrate Christmas. The glory of God comes to earth in the form of a human. The best Christmas present I could give somebody is God. What are you going to do today? What are you going to do with, with all this craziness that I just spewed out here? Talking to you about praising God and singing and worshiping and Are you just going to be the same? I can't. I'll never be the same again. God has done too much for me to stay the same. And He is worthy of my praise. If you need prayer, if you need help, find somebody. Find somebody in this congregation that you know and trust. And say, I need somebody to pray with me. I need somebody to pray for me. I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know more about God. Why do I need to praise Him? 
Why is He so awesome? Why is He worthy of this praise? The song of the redeemed rises through the clouds. I want you to be a part of the redeemed. You can have that today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, You are so awesome. Your love astounds me. What You have done for me and my family is ridiculous. its I did nothing to deserve it. I don't deserve it. But You are great and You are mighty and You are awesome. I know there are people out here who are hurting. I want to pray for peace. I want to pray for wisdom and comfort around them, Father. Watch over us this week as we go about Your kingdom and serving You. Help us to show our gratitude and our love for You in our worship and in our praise. I love You, Father. It's Your name I pray. Amen.